Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. What is the foundation in your life upon which you hear and discern the speaking of God? Are you a Christian that gets the speaking of God based on the platform or the foundation of, let's say, the internet, or let's say the latest greatest theory, or some conjecture, or some conspiracy? Here's my question. What is the platform upon which you believe God speaks to you? Is it out of fear that God speaks to you? Is it because you manipulate God? What is the basis for the speaking of God in you? I want to submit to you that according to the New Testament, God speaks on the basis of His Son and through the means of the Holy Spirit. And then, obviously, through the body of Christ, let's say through creation, let's say through a circumstance, etc., etc. In this message, I want to focus on Christ as the foundation for the speaking of God. Not your imagination, not your flesh, not your desires, not your manipulation, not your ideology. Certainly, it goes without saying, not the internet. Not the latest, greatest word on the street or some conspiracy from a self-proclaimed prophet. I want to bring to your attention the Gospel of John chapter 1. In the first three verses, there is an explanation that God in Christ is the Word. Christ is the Word. He was in the beginning, and He's the one through whom all things came into being. And Christ is the Word of God. He's the speaking of God. But I want you to carefully notice verse 4. But first, let me read verses 1 through 3, and then I want to highlight verse 4 for you. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things came into being through him. And apart from him, not one thing came into being which has come into being. So there is the establishment that Christ speaks for God. Christ is the very definition and the explanation of God. But verse 4 enters into a little bit of a deeper description. How do we experience this speaking of God, this light of God? And that is the heartbeat of this message. He says, in him, that is in Christ, was life. And the life was the light of men. That is, Christ in his living nature. Christ as life is the means for us to experience the light of 
God. If we go straight after the light, after the speaking, after the explanation, after understanding, but we are not established in Christ as our life, then that light is going to be dangerous and will have the great potential to lead us down many a rabbit trail that, by and large, has nothing really to do with God, nor Christ, nor the Holy Spirit, nor his New Testament economy. Beloved, in this message, I want to introduce you now to this tension that a Christian does not live by the explanation of God. A Christian lives by the life of God. He lives by a new nature. He lives by Christ. And Christ is the embodiment of the speaking of God. Christ is the explanation of God. A Christian who has Christ has everything he needs to know about God. All the other things are merely conspiratorial and conjecture, and it's not needed to live the Christian life, at least now. You don't need all those mystical explanations. And I want to ask you through this message, would you be open to the Holy Spirit just recalibrating you again to be established in the life of God and live in the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to be the basis and the platform from which you understand God? and you understand the ways of God, and you understand the times. It seems as though so many of us only understand the times in lieu of the nations and the internet and the wars and the pestilences, etc., etc. Beloved, Christ is the explanation. And those who have the Christ have peace. I hope this message challenged you. It was challenging for me to receive this training from the Lord in my life. It is a very difficult message to give, but I hope that you can, um, you can really listen with spiritual ears and that the Lord would gain you through this and that his life would become the means for the light in you. It's not just a cosmic accident. Let me see if I can read this again. All things came into being through. Amen. And apart from him, not one thing came into being which has come into being. Even that bacteria that grows in a Petri dish. Jesus, all over it. That moss on that tree. Jesus, all over it. Not one thing has its existence apart from this marvelous Jesus. Verses 1 through 3 has this one emphasis, the Word. So let me embellish that just a minute. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the speaking. In the beginning was the... Vocabulary in the beginning was the wisdom, the the mind. In the beginning was the declaration. In the beginning was the definition, the explanation. Those first three verses has a lot of emphasis on word, definition, explanation. 
Is God the God of explanation? Is He the God of wisdom? Is He the God of speaking? What say ye? Absolutely. It's just written there. So does God speak? Yes. Does God explain? Yes. Is God the Word? Is God the wisdom? Is God understanding, insight, revelation? All of those things, in a way, is, is, is in those three verses. Do you and I need God to speak to us? Yeah. Is God able to speak? Yes. Is He willing to speak? Yes. Do we need God to explain things occasionally to us? Yeah. He's the speaking God. And ever since the beginning, every and any interaction God has had with man has been a speaking interaction. There's always a manifestation here and a manifestation there, but in the end, it all speaks. It all explains. It all defines. But saints... I have made the mistake in my life thinking that God is only the God of explanation. He has to explain everything to me and any and every interaction I have with God Almighty is only an explanation interaction. When I go to Him in prayer, it's often a, Lord, give me a word. Give me a direction, give me a speaking, give me a mandate, give me a, a command. Is he the God of command and speaking and direct? Absolutely. You get what I'm saying? So I have this interaction with God. Lord, show me where to go. Speak to me. And so I fast and I pray and I do everything to get him to speak. And then some tough things happen in my life. No doubt, it happens in yours. What's the interaction that you have with God in those days? Lord, where were you? Why didn't you? What, when would you? Is it not true that for most of us, if not all of us, the interaction we seek with God is a speaking interaction? An explanation interaction. Can you please just give me some clarity, some direction? And again, is he the God of explanation? Does he want to lead? Does he want to explain? Does he want to sort of give you revelation and insight and illumination and wisdom and all of those good things? Absolutely. Absolutely. But saints, something happened to us in the Garden of Eden. And if you've been through legacy, you know that for the most part, all of my ministry starts in Genesis with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Does God want you to understand? Yes. Again and again. God is wanting to speak. God is wanting to explain in part. You know, Paul says we know in part. We see, we understand in part. But what Satan did there in Genesis, in the garden, is he lured us 
to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when the man and the woman bit into that tree, knowledge, understanding, insight, it became our obsession, so much so that our primary interaction with God henceforth has almost been just an interaction of, can you please explain yourself? Can you please define? Can you please clarify? And have you noticed that there are many, many situations in your life, as has been in mine, where God simply doesn't explain himself? And that's when you and I pick up an offense with God. See, we ate this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We want to understand. We want to know. Even the, the temptation was, listen, just eat this tree, then you'll be like God. You'll know everything God knows. And you've heard me teach here at the school, God will let you know Him, but you'll never know everything God knows. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing what God knows. Are you tracking? So here comes the devil and says, Hey, bite into this tree and you'll understand. You'll know. Everything will be clear. God's hiding stuff from you. You'll be in the light. You'll be in revelation. And so ever since that day, we have been obsessed with this issue of information. And my walk with God is constantly a walk of, Lord, explain. Lord, define. When in actuality, if you look at the man and the woman in this uh, biblical record, very seldom did God explain himself to them. He wanted faith from his people. Faith. Think of a man by the name of Abraham. God speaks to him, I'm going to send you to a country, I'm going to give you kiddos. Can you please explain how that's going to happen? Because I'm old and she's, you know, not able. And what confounded Abraham was just like God never gave him an explanation. See, Abraham, just like you and I, are in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God tells him, go to this country. Eventually, he has a son. God says to him, go offer this child. He never gives a, an explanation. That's why Abraham stands out as a most magnificent figure in the Bible. You know, I hear people all the time, oh, he's got a Daniel anointing. Oh, she's got a Deborah anointing. Oh, man, he's like Elijah. I hear nobody ever say, man, you got the spirit of Abraham. He is the principal figure in all of the Bible to show us what a walk with God is all about. Not David, not Daniel, not Ezekiel. Abraham. God never explains to him why you got to go offer your child. You just have to go. And so Abraham made this transition in his life out of the can you define yourself? Can you explain yourself? Why? Why not? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Abraham slipped into this thing called the tree 
of life. And when he offered up that boy in faith, God brought Isaac back from the dead. Resurrection. Life. Abraham tapped into something that you and I, every single person that's a believer in Jesus, need to tap into the same dynamic, life. And so many of us were stuck in like, God, can you just explain a little bit more? So I watch Christians only because I've watched myself. I'm also in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's like, God owes me an explanation. And I use this text, John 1, verses 1 through 3, to wring out of God information. Lord, you're the word. Bring it. <laughs> speak to me. Does he speak? Yes. We've established that principle. Is he the word? Yes. But saints... God is more interested in imparting His nature into you than explaining Himself to you. You and I are so circumstantially driven. And we live a lifestyle based upon our environment. God Almighty wants to do an entirely new thing in you, which is not environmentally driven or circumstantially dictated. It is an issue of nature. He wants to bring you in the nature of God, which is life. Is he going to explain himself? Amen. But you don't know when he's going to do that. You know, this little girl here on the, uh, the video testimony a minute ago, She's in the classroom at Legacy where we explain a lot of things. And it's not like that explanation changes her or empowers her. She's out in the field picking weeds and she has an experience, an encounter in a living way and her life has changed. So what God wants to do in you and I is bring us out of just thinking that information an explanation changes you to this thing where Christ, the person himself, indwells you. That's the spirit of the New Testament. And Abraham experienced that. God did things in that man beyond explanation. That's why we call him the father of the faith. And Paul alludes to this several times in his letters. He says, listen. He says, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a child of Abraham. You're in the rhythm of Abraham. You're in the spirit of Abraham. But most of us, we want to get scholastic with God. God is the grand Google. <laughs> we always want to type something in. And if God just doesn't spit it out in point zero 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 seven seconds, like you pick up an offense with God. See, God wants to bring you into life. Life is His nature. Life is His person. And you and I are stuck in information. So it says here, in the beginning was the Word. Praise the Lord. He's going to speak to you, saints. 
He's going to lead you. He's going to define himself. Absolutely. But in this New Testament age, God is on to greater things than explaining himself, Job. God is into coming and being you and I's nature. Look at John's gospel again. After it establishes the fact that Jesus is the explanation of God. By the way, Jesus is the word. You're looking for some clarity about your life. God's going to speak to you through the person of Jesus Christ. Only in Him will you have sense and direction and understanding and clarity. He is the Word. If you have the Lord Jesus, not as a theory, but as reality, you will have the explanation of God for everything in you and I's life. It establishes the fact that He's the Word. But look at verse 4. Something changes in the New Testament. It says, In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. In Him was life. He is the Word. But in Him... It's the life of God. Saints, this is the rhythm of the New Testament saint. God does explain to us. God does speak to you. But what God is a lot more concerned about is that you are in the life and nature of Jesus Christ. And notice how carefully John writes this. I think it is marvelous. Here's a recipe for successful Christian living. If you have the life, apparently, you get the light automatically. Look at it. In Him was life. And that life gives you light to see and understand and walk and not stumble in the darkness. Notice it again. It's not the Word that gives you light. It's the life that gives you light. And so many of us, we just want God to explain himself, then, then I'll know what to do. You need to host the nature, the indwelling life of Jesus, and understanding comes automatically. Revelation comes quite gracious, spontaneously. Most of y'all, we fast so long. Oh, God, speak to me, speak to me. And in the end, does he? But I'm telling you, if the nature of Jesus is with us and in us as a lifestyle, as a reality, you'll just know, don't do this, go here. Don't say that, don't be this, don't, yeah, go here. You have light. I'll give you an example. I got two kiddos, Francis and Chapel. Which came first, their living or their brains developed fully understanding? Welcome to the New Testament. 
Life comes first. Those kiddos were born living into this world. Life comes first. And life is growing those kids. I'm not sure how Chapel is growing with all the sweets she's eating. <laughs> but somehow, there is a nature called life inside of Chapel. Amen? And that life is growing a kidney. And that life is growing all of this stuff. And she's getting bigger, eating all this chocolates. And as life is maturing inside of them, the kiddos' brains catch on. It's like life comes first. Explanation, understanding, brain development, clarity comes second. And it's the same in your rhythm with Jesus. So let's see if we can make this just a little bit practical. What you've got to take care of from your waking moment till your last breath, well, your last little uh, awareness at night is don't try to have this interaction with God primarily of explanation. Have an interaction of life. What does that mean? That means enjoy God from the morning till the evening and walk with Him the way Abraham walked with God. Abraham did not have a devotional book, you Beth Moore friends. He did not have a library. He just took care of sheep. But it's in that taking care of sheep and doing the ordinary that he and God created a rhythm together, a lifestyle together. Do you track with me? So saints, get up and, and, and read your verse and your daily quote and have your little cup and Bible right there and take your picture and let the whole world know you just had an encounter with God. It's beautiful. But when you get in the shower in God, when you get in your car, you've got to cultivate the living reality of an indwelling Lord there. And as you drive to work, all of a sudden, He tells you, ah, oh, you need to call this person. Tomorrow, do that. It's like revelation spontaneously comes when you're in a life rhythm with your Lord. Does it make sense? So, another practical thought is, most of us, we divide You've heard this, the secular from the sacred. I'm guilty of it. I think many of us are guilty. My morning few minutes, this is sacred. The rest of the day is, oh, pshht, secular. Wednesday night, I go to small group. Ooh, sacred. Little candle. Come, Lord Jesus. No, he's already there. You just... Got to Wednesday night. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for Sunday morning. Who? All of these beautiful, sacred things that we create, there's beauty, beauty to it. And of course, you're intentional, you're going. But saints, the spirit of the New Testament is not a meeting with God, but a walking with God. In him was life. I want you all 
to cultivate the life of Jesus of Nazareth inside of you. Even like Paul said, for me, life is Christ. He didn't say God is my explanation. And Paul just said, you know, I, I know in part. I prophesy in part. But I am living fully in Jesus now. He is my lifestyle. From the morning till the evening and anything and everything in between. There's not these compartmentalized days or moments. And listen, it's good to sneak away. Come to Legacy for a gap semester or Sunday morning have to have a little special time. All of those things are beautiful and it speaks to intentionality and effort. It's great. But the heart of the new covenant is that in Jesus, days are done away with. Sunday is not more holy than Monday. Colossians 2 explains that. One festival in Jewish customs, the festivals are done away with. The one is not, oh, this is now a sacred time and then we go back to farming. In the New Testament rhythm, everything is holy. Everything is divine. Every moment is, yeah, matters to God. So in Him was life. If you can get into this rhythm where you live with God instead of visiting your Lord, cultivate a rhythm of living in Him. And you'll see the explanation of God comes just quite naturally, quite spontaneously. You're just driving in the car and God explains something to you. And just who taught you the Spirit of God? the anointing of God, based upon what foundation? The Google, the internet, book knowledge, IQ, based on the principle of the divine nature within you. Cultivate God inside of you as a lifestyle, and you'll never pick up an offense with God. So, there's something that you've got to take care of, And there's something that God will take care of. In your walk with God, and in the cultivation of this rhythm of life, in Him was life. And you live by that life, John 6. There's two things you've got to take care of. Number one, you've got to take care of your consecration to God. And number two, you got to take care of faith in God. These are, in my estimation, the two things that you've got almost control, only the two things you've got control over. Take care of your consecration to God and take care of your faith in God, not your understanding of God, because God is intentionally going to do things beyond understanding so that you're in faith. And whenever you encounter the mysteries of God, you just need to know what God wants from you is faith. When things are inexplicable and it doesn't make sense and it's impossible, faith is what He wants from the saints. That's what you can take care of in this walk with God. Constantly present yourselves to the Lord. Constantly make yourself available for the Lord's purposes. Seek the Lord's kingdom in everything. It's good to go flip burgers. It's good to go be a doctor. It's it's good to have a career and make money. 
but seek God. Be consecrated to God. You can take care of that. That means in every minute of the day, you're for the Lord. You're for the Lord's name. You're for the Lord's purposes. You are that priest to bring the presence of God wherever you're at. You're consecrated to God. You're not serving mammon. You're not serving the world. You're serving the interests of God. So make all the money that you guys can. Go for it. But you're a servant of God. Did I say something wrong? That's consecration. Be filled up with a vision for the Lord. Be filled up with a heart to minister to people and and bring Jesus wherever you're at. Take care of that consecration. Number two, take care of faith. Keep believing God because the number one obstacle that I face in my life is like, you've heard it said, we become momentary atheists. We believe there is no God. It's up to me and myself to do this thing. Stay in faith, Abraham. At one time, Abraham, of course, you know, stepped out of faith and got Ishmael as a result. Stay in faith, saints. By the way, when the Son of Man comes back to this earth, He says, when the Son of Man comes back in the glory of the Father and angels and whole entourage, when the Son of Man returns, will He find faith on this earth? Or is He going to find scholastic, know-it-alls, people of just, we understand it all, we got God defined and figured out? He's looking for faith in his people. Faith comes first. Understanding comes way later. Just like with my kids, life comes first. Explanation comes way later. Live first, saints. Love God. Walk in his nature. Enjoy his presence. And God will, he'll show up when he needs to. So take care of those two things. And then this is going to happen to you. This is God's part. Don't live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Live in life. Life is an every moment walk with Jesus. That's life. Live in that rhythm. Take care of your consecration. Keep the faith. And I'm telling you, Mark my words. There's three things God's going to do for you. There's three things life is going to do for you. Number one, you are going to experience transformation. Because that life of Jesus will transform you into the image of Jesus. See, you and I want explanation. We want to sit in a classroom. We want to sit with a book and like God explained to me. None of us have ever gotten up from a study session with God fully transformed. What transform you is the thick of life and the dust and the grime and the people and life. Life out there is what gets to us and changes us. 
as you live life in a consecrated way and you're staying in faith, life will work in you and on you to transform you. This is what God's going to do. So this girl, yeah, well said here in the video testimony a minute ago. Classrooms don't change people. All the uh, agricultural people in here are sitting there in the class and there's a picture. This is a weed. Okay. Now they can plant their orchard and all of a sudden they have the experience of what a weed really is. See, classroom and information doesn't change people. Life does. You want to be transformed into Jesus' image? Then live your life in Him. And He will change you. That's the one thing God will do. The second thing that He's going to do is give you authority. See, who would you rather, I guess, listen to? A person of great knowledge or a person of experience? It's awesome if they go together, right? But if, if you think back, who are those people that just are able to speak into your life and have authority? And is it, is it people that are just kind of like know-it-alls or people with scars and wrinkles and dust on them? And that's the whole dilemma with our generation, is all of y'all want to speak. I, I watch folk at Legacy. What did you learn at Legacy? Uh, uh, let me let consult my information database system. And you think you want to spit out information, and that's going to, like, impact people or bear the Lord's testimony, and you're, like, trying to come up with vocabulary and words. and like, oh, yeah. But we, the people that live life and are under the indwelling Lord and they're transformed right there in the thick of it they're the people that somehow stand up in their workplace and they say something and people listen why is that because they're not speaking from an educational perspective they're speaking from an experiential perspective it's awesome if you have both but I'm telling you what you want to go after is authority, experience. How do you get that? You don't study for that. I have a master's in divinity. Hear ye, hear ye. I'd rather listen to the farmer that discovered God and crop failures and has authority to speak to clouds and rain. And those are the people that leave a legacy. Not us who've got Bible verses memorized. Tattooed. The Word has to become flesh in the saints. And when you've struggled through thick and thin and you've cultivated the presence of God in the ugly of life, somehow you come out transformed and somehow there's just this Authority that comes upon you. People want to listen. And you walk into a room or into an environment and you change the environment. 
You become an influencer. Why? Because there's an authority that's given to you because of the trial and the experience. Do you get what I'm saying? If you're not a master's of divinity as far as education is concerned, but you've, <laughs> you're a host of divinity as far as life is concerned. Like God divine lives inside of us. And you speak by his speaking and you live by his living. You want to be such a person? Yeah. You take care of your consecration. You take care of faith. God will take care of the transformation and that endowed authority. And the last thing that God will give you as you live life is you will discover the blessing of God on your life. He transforms you into his image. He gives you his authority. And God will bless you to be his emissary and his testimony. Not there in your closet, but in life. And he'll favor you and give you opportunities and open doors for you and set you apart and raise you up. You'll experience the blessing of God. Most of us just want to sit here in these meetings like, oh, Holy Spirit, fall on me right now. As long as you don't crush me. But you fall away. Oh, maybe I should move over here. It's like we want, we want experiences here in the, in the beauty. We've got the candles lit and we've got the choir singing. It's so beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Bless me now, please. As wonderful as meetings are and the presence of the Lord is here and we're playing music, it's just so beautiful and saintly. And There is a richer blessing that you'll experience. The presence of God with you in life out there. And there He sets you apart. And there you experience and the doors are opened. And there you know the favor of God. So... God's in the transformation business. And he's going to only authorize those who live the lifestyle in God. And you're going to experience a richer blessing as you live with God than just in these special times that we visit with God, so to speak. You know, most of us, we have these, can I have my coffee? Bless me now, Jesus. But I'm telling you, you'll experience a richer blessing in your life than just in these little compartmentalized moments. So God is the Word. Amen. Does He speak? Yes. Is He going to explain Himself? Yeah, well, what He's more concerned about in the New Testament is that you live by Him. That you live. That you live by Him. In Him, with Him, through Him, that you live unto Him, that you live because of Him. That's the heart of the New Testament. That's the heart of the message of the apostles, is that there is a resurrection life in dwelling the saints, there's a nature in dwelling the saints. I don't have to wear certain robes to be in the authority of God. I have to live in Christ. 
and I'm in the authority of God. I don't have to manipulate people to get a blessing. I just live in God and I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Experience it in my life. So saints, my encouragement to you today is that yes, God is the word and he'll explain and define. But until that explanation comes, God is into experience because he's into reality, not just theory.